Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, listener. On my left wing is Tom, on my right wing is Neil, and I'm coming down the center. My name is Nick. How are we doing today, guys? Doing all right. I've yeah, had a good pretty, weekend. Pretty good. All right. All right. Everyone's Looking forward to Thanksgiving. Weekend. Yeah. I, I could not believe that Thanksgiving is literally this week. Mm-hmm. It blew my mind. I think I'm thankful for Klopp. I'm also thankful for Klopp. I'm thankful for having a midfield. That's a good one, too. We haven't been able to say that in a little while. And on that, we don't have a lot to talk about from this weekend because uh, it's been international break. And quite frankly, I didn't watch much at all. I was too busy for football. Anyone watch anything from international break? I didn't watch anything, but I did note that nearly all of Man City's starting 11, other than Foden and perhaps Grealish, uh, didn't play. Whereas most of the Liverpools did play. By choice? By, well, they were injured, technically. So, but by choice. Mm. Oh, Liverpool kind of injured. A little We've bit. We've done it a few times. Yeah. Just saying that coming up to the game that's coming up, we're going to cover in the next episode, the um, international break. Clearly, the um, City players must feel that they need to be rested to face Klopp's players. And yet our boys played. Sabasai had a great weekend. Mo Salah had a great weekend. Uh, I think Mo had four goals in one of one of the games. Four games against who do they play? Uh, Nick? I have no idea how to say it. <laughs> Djibouti. Djibouti. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Four goal performance, and then uh, Sabasai had what two? Two goals, uh, just like a few minutes apart in the sixty, like sixty fourth and sixty eighth or something. Yeah. Yeah. Man of the match. Very emotional afterwards. What What were they qualifying for? I don't even remember. European qualifications. Okay, because it's the first time that Hungary has qualified for that tournament in some outrageous number of years. Yeah. So he was pretty emotional on the pitch. He was shooting liquor afterwards or really? something like that on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, tears in his eyes and everything. It's pretty <laughs> cool. Um, he's quickly becoming a Liverpool favorite. Uh, yeah, funny. I worry less about the European, like people who play for Hungary or England, because the distances traveling just aren't very far. But a lot of Liverpool squad is traveling to South America. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a haul. South America, even Africa. I mean, they say something like for every time zone, it's a day to to recover. And uh, wow, well, we had Darwin in Uruguay. We had uh, Diaz. Diaz, Diaz in Colombia. McAllister, McAllister Allison. in Argentina. Allison, Allison in Brazil. Um, do we have any other Brazilian players that would have played? I don't think we do anymore, right? No, no. Um, but still, that's four. Yeah, yeah four no. of our starters traveling to South America. Really important players. I saw Verge. Did you see that tackle he had against? Forgive me. Yeah, unbelievable. Saw it. That that's would, our Verge. <laughs> that boy should have scored. Yeah, should have clicked earlier. Yeah, um, anyone but, but Verge, he would have. That was a, a a hard challenge, a real hard challenge. But his face afterwards, Nunes. and he was Sorry. so proud of himself. Yeah, yeah. Nunes, Anto- Antonio Nunes. No, Darwin Nunes. <laughs> Not Matthias Nunes for City either. Darwin Nunes played for played for Uruguay. Had a we missed him. He had some goals. Yeah, he scored. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's our coverage for the review weekend. Um, so because we don't have any Premier League to talk about, I did. Sorry, Nick. I did like on. the little embrace. Uh, Diaz popped to by Allison. Yeah. Nice little embrace afterwards, and like fair play. It, it was like brotherly love. Uh, yeah, that was a great game, Matt. Yeah. Right, let's move on. Yeah. Um, 
So what we're going to talk about is a preview to our preview episode that'll be later this week. And what I mean by that is Liverpool play their not really arch rivals, friendly rivals, Manchester City. New rivals. New rivals. There you go. Um, Like the new radicals. But the thing with these two teams is the managers. That's what really makes them such great rivals. And that's our Jurgen Klopp and their Pep Guardiola. So I, also, I also think it's something more than that, though. To me, it's more about a little bit the spirit of the game. Um, Klopp plays with joy. Klopp wants his team to be ethically sound. He doesn't really like any shithousery. Mm-hmm. I don't feel the same way for Pep. Not only is he tainted by the Saudi money, but... I just don't know. His players don't play... To me, they don't play with honor. They don't play... Hired they don't guns. play for pride uh, of the shirt, whereas I think Liverpool players join Liverpool and buy into a whole... The culture. Not, this, yeah, the culture. I was almost going to say lifestyle, but yeah, culture, I think you're right. Yeah. The city culture, they're just... I mean, I guess winning is their culture. Yeah. But, um, Wasn't always. No, not at all. Relegation was always their culture Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's... I don't know. It seems to be win at all costs. Do which I mean, I, I get it. That's what. Well, how else the, are you going to pay off? You know, penalties and fines. I, I saw this great one the other day, where if they get another charge, it's they have a choice between a hundred dollar fine or a financial fair pay course awareness. Mm, I'm not sure about the, the <laughs> well, okay. truth of that statement. Because but on your point, Neil, because I'm inclined to agree, and obviously we're a Liverpool podcast, yeah, we so we're going to be a little biased. But until, I mean, even when City won under Mancini in that incredible, what was that, 2013, when they won on the last day of the season with oh, the two yeah. goals by Aguero. Aguero. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they weren't the enemy yet. I don't, oh, I, I I don't, don't know. For me, they, they were for United because United were they ran. trying to keep their presence and yeah, love Carlos Tevez when he moved over. Just a little poke at Ferguson. Um, Ever since the Saudi money has come in, they've been my enemy. That's fair. That's fair. I don't think I had the same awareness of it when that happened because it's been since 2008. And then they won in 2013 and they felt like underdogs. And then now, since Pep, it's become a lot more... that We talk about it more, I would say. Would you have that same hate or distaste if money came to Liverpool or Barrow? I, I would, I think. I, there's something bigger than the sport. There's something about the way you conduct yourself, the way you play, and Liverpool's always done the that. The people you affiliate yourself I, with. I think, I think you can still do that. With money, mm-hmm. there's ways of going about it. I, I will say so far, Newcastle uh, doing it okay. We'll see. It's early. But it's Saudi money too. Yeah, Qatari money. Um, yeah. But, um, or oh, is that Saudi money? That is Saudi uh, money. Yeah. Maybe it's City's Qatari money. Qatar, uh, Emirates. It's Emirates, Emirates of Qatar, yeah. yeah so. um, no, United Arab Emirates and Qatar are two different countries. Yes, you're right yeah. there too. Um, so, I just don't... I didn't like the Glazier money coming into United. I hated United already, but the Glazier money didn't feel right either. They loaded up the club with debt, and I just yeah. But they were out buying. They did what Munich are doing in Bundesliga. Wrexham's money. As much as I privately have joked with you because they're in Mm. the same league as Barrow, Wrexham's money since we did it right. They're building a community. Yeah, it's very wholesome. 
it's not just bring in throw a bunch of money at it and enter the global stage it's not sports washing yeah right. so so yeah i think they just i feel as though they're trying to do something bigger than that and i don't think the glaciers were united it was a purely a commercial cash debt grab. restructuring yeah cash grab so yeah. that one left this taste as much as i i think it's left distaste in a lot of united fans yeah too. as well and um you know long may that continue uh so <laughs> so yeah um i get it there's a lot of but there's a lot of rivalry to me between city and liverpool that goes even beyond the pep and klopp i know we're going to talk about pep and klopp that's, today that's very true um and i don't disagree with anything you're saying um I will say, kind of on what Tom was saying, if Liverpool were to be, if we were to be taken over by one of these big Saudi investment funds, or if it had happened earlier, I don't know that I would have the same level of fandom for the club that I have. And if they get taken over in the future, I don't, I, you know, I, I, it keeps me up at night. But we are owned by a major multinational sports company in FSG. It's, yeah, but it's different. It's not, there's, and maybe there's, there's dirty money in every billionaire's pocket somewhere, but they, they are genuinely, they're doing the same thing with Liverpool that they did with the Red Sox, that they do with yeah. the Penguins, that they do with all of their sports teams. And it's a very interesting approach to succeeding on a global stage in sport. So it doesn't bother me other than the fact that we don't spend money when I kind of want the team to spend money. Right. Um, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, but it's I am a double-edged sword, isn't it? We don't want to be unethical and spend like that, but we don't like it when other people do, which brings yeah. us to the other big topic of this week. Before we get into this episode, we've got to mention, surely, financial fair play in Everton. Well, that yeah. was my joke about the course awareness. I know. So That's why I was coming back to yeah. it. 10-point deduction for our, uh, our neighbors. I... I think they're going to appeal it, and I think they will be successful in appeal of getting it down to six, is my guess. I kind of hope so, believe it or not. I I hear it has something to do with, is it Leicester and Leeds being relegated? They were the ones that looked... Yeah, they're going to sue. They've actually opened it up now. Basically, the way the judgment is written, four teams, I think, can sue in the um, first division. Leicester and Leeds being two of them. I can't remember who the two were, but yes. Um, But the the big key thing about the Everton facts to me is one offence, one charge pleaded guilty, have constantly worked with the authorities. Compare and contrast that to City, 115 charges, completely didn't work with the Premier League, blocked them at every level, mm-hmm. using yeah, money and litigation to to fight. And then uh, just before you come, Nick, I uh, want to talk about Chelsea, possibly <laughs> even worse. Bowley, I'm not a fan of the man, but um, Bowley has self-reported Chelsea. He reported Abramovich's yeah, he's reported that Abramovich, when he took over the books, mm-hmm. Abramovich has been funneling money from illegal sources. So, yeah. so Chelsea has come forward, and I think that deserves something. What? But, um, but and you know, I'm not sure what? how much what? I want to discipline Bowley and now and Chelsea for what Abramovich did. Well, so, I was just going to ask you that. Is like, where is that line? Because you're new CEO of a club, and you've just found out the books have been tampered with. You, you've gone to authorities, you've gone, hey, I'm doing the right thing here, don't you know, shoot the messenger, basically. But they did benefit from all of that, and so they probably deserve some, at least some titles for the Bramovich era taken away from them. It's never happened in, the, um, in, in football, as far as I know it, titles being retroactively removed from people. I so, couldn't tell you off the yeah. top of my head. Well, I, 
unfortunately, time is the only thing that's going to tell. And because these circumstances are so unprecedented, you know, yeah, Everton worked with, I, I believe there's something to be said for that. And I think Carragher had a really good point. That doesn't mean that they're not to be disciplined because they still broke the rules and how lawsuits and everything work out. But Everton did do everything right after doing something wrong. City, it's it's not just Premier League. They fought UEFA. Uh, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And kind of won on technicalities because one of the charges yes. got dropped only because it took them too long to file them. Should have been that's back from I mean. the that's Champions the, League. That's right. why I, in this whole segment we're talking about of which you know I think we were setting up the Klopp Pep rivalry, but the City Liverpool rivalry. Uh, yeah, it's an ethically run club, and then you look at Man City. They try and use their money and their ability to fund expensive lawyers to just fight their way in the courts. That's not but sport. That, but that's that's, yeah. what, that's they, what bureaucracy is, isn't it? I'm going to bring you to court. I'm going to keep there as long as possible so I don't get in trouble for it. But Everton could have done that, and they didn't. Everton doesn't have the money to do that. Probably that too. And I, but, but they in, have a new in, stadium. Though. In fairness to them, I don't think Half they would have. I don't think they would have. I think they would have done things the right way. For everything we say about Everton, even if they had unlimited well, good, money. Yeah, I mean, they're a mismanaged club, but they're a, a club that puts the people and their fans first. It, yeah. It's harsh to see. I know they're you know, our next round of rivals and whatever else. It is harsh to see it happen to them when others have offended worse. And, you know, we make fun of them all the time about getting relegated. I actually kind of don't want them to get relegated this year now. Not yeah, on I this. No. Not on this. I want them to get relegated because they played poorly. They were shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want it to be on the pitch, not in a courtroom. Exactly. So financial fair play, why does it exist? It exists to stop clubs like Portsmouth, who went bankrupt, Coventry went bankrupt. Uh, Leeds pretty much went bankrupt. Wimbledon. Uh, did Wimbledon okay? Yeah. So yeah, a whole bunch of teams went bankrupt by outspending their means, mm-hmm. which is essentially what Everton did. This is the the law was meant to there be there as a warning to with sufficient penalty to stop you doing it. Everton did it anyway. Yes, the pandemic really messed them up. They they were right on the margins and then took a seven hundred million dollar loss or something for that's the gamble the you take. Yeah, whereas, you know, you should have a rainy day fund for if these things happen. So Yeah, it's called a new stadium. <laughs> yeah. That's where that rainy day fund went probably went. I get that, but they should have been invested in that years earlier. Hundred percent. You know, Luton could have just go and build a new stadium right now. And it could hurt and them. It could, yeah. They don't really? have the money to do it and they'd have to take a lot of loans to do so and that's, That's why United. Everton, they, they still have to face this punishment, regardless of the fact that they did everything right. They still did something wrong. But the yeah. fact that they got pushed to the front of the line when City's been doing well, this. Well, again, for, they've only pushed up. They didn't get pushed to the front of the line. They've pleaded guilty. Right. So we have all of the facts needed to make a judgment. I don't actually don't mind that they've judged Everton's case first than City's. I just mind that City is... Being City and not getting... Anything but not to pay, it's, it's like... I'm sorry, I'm a little political, but the American justice system, if you've got money, you can get away with a crime. Mm-hmm. If you don't have money, you can get away with it. And cities seem to be using their money to get away with a crime. And that that much is actually probably why I despise city the way I do. It's just unethical, unethical behavior top to bottom. I think United's rotten, and I've said it before, from top to bottom. But city's unethical from top to bottom. I wonder what United's 100%. books look like. I wouldn't even want to venture a guess. But 
Plan that. Can I ask one other question? Sorry, I know we're trying to move on, but one other question. I'll give you my answer first, but while you think about about it, but if one violation gets you a ten point penalty, what does a hundred and fifteen violations get you? And what what do you think will happen? Not what should happen, all the rest of it. What what should City's penalty be? Assuming those one hundred and fifteen violations are real, just like Everton's one was real, hmm. what should there be? <laughs> I'll give you my answer. I sure. think they should be stripped of two league titles. And I think they should be demoted. Sorry, I think they will be stripped of at least one league title. And I think they will be demoted one division. That's what I think is going to happen. Demotion, for sure. There's no question. This there. is what I think will happen, by the way, not what I think should happen. Yeah. Because yeah. should happen, I'm going to say they should be sent to the fourth division. I mean, League I, two. I, I, league two. Realistically, they should be stripped of all of their league titles going back to whenever the offenses occurred. Now, doing that, what difference is it really going to make? It's not like you can award the second place team the titles. That's mm-hmm. not, I've heard Liverpool supporters saying this online where we should be awarded this and that. No, that's not going to happen. And frankly, I think we've talked about this before. I don't want it no. to happen that way. And then the demotion, absolutely. But how far do you go? Because there's no way to really, well, how does that affect ra- the rest Rangers. of the Rangers. I was just about to say Rangers got thrown down to a division four or whatever they got thrown out of the league and had to start essentially at the top of the non-league i think it was was it yeah. oh wow I mean, and they won everything sense. coming all the way up so now they won everything in scotland i mean it makes sense that's really what should happen what will happen was my question what will happen i have no idea. no come on give me a give me a prediction uh city are going to pay their way out of it and nothing's going to happen at so all. you're going to say nothing's going to happen pay no, their way out i don't think so <sighs> slap on the wrist you might get hundred million dollar uh, fine. No, you might get like six to eight points deduction. It won't even affect them, and it'll so probably be. Is that what you're thinking? Six to eight points deduction. Probably, this and year? it won't even come in this year. It'll probably come next year, or the year after, or the however long it gets tied up in court. Yeah, and that, I'm yeah. going to keep moving it like someone moves their student loans every week. <laughs> yeah, and it, you know what? It. Six to eight points for a city, though. That's the difference between them winning the title and not. I don't know what a student loan is, by the way. So the judgment against Everton had two really interesting paragraphs, uh, and I can't remember what one of them exactly was, but those paragraphs seem to have been inserted as statements for setting a precedent that they can then use against Chelsea and, and City. And one of them basically was, words the effect of, it's not good enough to make a mistake how no matter how innocent you were of making a mistake, so making it doing something by accident doesn't absolve you of it. No. And so, and I think City was saying, well, this only happened because you know we accidentally did this, and that seems to be inserted in there to say we don't care whether it was an accident or not. Mm. But there was two two of them. I, two of these par- two of these statements made me think that Chelsea and City are both going to get. Penalized. Severe penalties. I just don't know how severe. So while we're on about the um, owners of City, um, anyone seen the La Liga look? At Hold on. Let's not move off of this because I do have No, no. The reason say. I'm saying this is Girona is yeah. owned by City. Yes, it oh, is. Yeah. That's why. And they're sitting at the top right now. Yes. And how are they doing all that? Money. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think we've talked about this with the officiating. And that's that. You know, yellow cards and red cards are not just you tried to do something wrong and got caught. It's 
sometimes mistakes happen in a foul. We look at it sometimes in a vacuum where it's that guy tried to hurt my guy. No, sometimes you are playing clean and you naturally make a mistake. That's what a foul is. You're still going to get booked. You get a warning, you get booked. Exactly. You might get two warnings. You don't have to be malicious. We look at it as, oh, he wasn't trying to, he still spiked the guy, even though it wasn't intentional. Van Dyke's uh, tackle is a perfect example. It's tough, challenge, clean. Yes, exactly. You don't necessarily have to be trying to do something wrong to make a mistake. So on your point, I think Everton still get it. Yeah, they did everything right. Still made a mistake. Still going to get punished. I don't give a shit what City or Chelsea's excuses are. Mistakes were made. You're going to have to be punished for those mistakes, even if it was unintentional. So it's the same thing on the field of play. It's going to be the same thing, hopefully, behind the scenes when they're dealing with all of this. Um, so I am saying a one title and one league demotion. You, Nick, are saying just a slap on the wrist, nothing more. Yeah. And you're saying six-point deduction? Is that what you're Six saying? to eight-point deduction. But not necessarily this year. Yeah. It, I, I just okay. I just don't see them being punished enough. No. It's, it, it's, it, I think they will, because that other piece that's coming in is the UK government has called for an independent regulator to be set up to oversee the Premier League, and that is likely to be passed Ooh. and forced on them. And the Premier League is trying to show that it doesn't need one because it wants to regulate itself. Because well, so, regulating your own company has always been great for people. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think um, I think we could see City and Chelsea both get. I I hope you're right. A penalty, a penalty of I think we could both see them get each of them get stripped of a title and each of them relegated. Do you I think if I write right. it on a piece of paper and send it to Santa Claus, he'll give me that for Christmas? <laughs> if you send it to um, FIFA with oh. um, a check for $250 million. Oh. Yeah. I don't want to give Made FIFA anything. or whatever his name is. Don't want to give FIFA anything. And, um, They're I'm more corrupt than you, the FA. You, yeah, exactly. That's my point. They, they will gladly take your money and... And fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what money? All right. I'm sorry. The next World Cup is now in the middle of Zimbabwe. <laughs> Well, we will, continue, we will continue this discussion as more things develop. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get into the rivalry between Klopp and Pep. Sounds good. Welcome back, listener. So this is going to be an interesting episode. We're just going to have kind of a conversation about Klopp versus Pep, this rivalry that's been, I don't know, we'll call it maybe 15 years old, give or take. Maybe a little less than that, maybe closer to 10. And Pep's 10. Yeah. Um, 27 meetings between these two managers who are widely considered the two best in the world currently, and there are some conversations about all time. We're not going to get into all that because I hate that conversation. Um, So... Let's look at Pep first, because we're a Liverpool podcast. We're going to wax poetic about how amazing Klopp has been for our club and how much we love him and all that kind of stuff. Um, Pep you, Guardiola. So before you go there, are we? You going to give us the answer from? Uh, are you going to get to it later? Twenty-seven meetings. What is the head-to-head record? I mean, it's, I know it. It's twelve, ten, and five. Klopp, Guardiola, and draw. So right now, Klopp is the only manager to have a winning record against Pep Guardiola. All right, so um, 
That's it. We're done. See you next week, guys. Yep. <laughs> Good night. I think the Follow most, us on Facebook. I and think the on... most impressive part about that is uh, Pep has a 72% success rate in terms of win percentage, and his goal differential is like in the upwards of 1,500. Holy mackerel. Uh, uh, to date, which means yeah. that's only climbing. Um, so the fact that anyone has a winning record against Pep is that much more impressive, even as marginal as it is. 587 game wins out of 805 games. Yeah. That's... He's got 100 and 100 draw, uh, draw and losses. Some, somewhere, right? It's like 106 losses and 100 and something draws. It's a draws. bit of a weird stat, though. I mean, good for Pep that he got to land at Barcelona as his first club, and he got to land at Bayern as his second club, and he got to land at Man City as well, his third club. he didn't land in Barca. He was... He was an a B-team under, manager first. Well, he was an understudy. He played there, and he was an understudy for... I get um, that, but here's my point. Most managers who enter the managerial world, they end up doing their trade at Brescia or... Mines? You know, exactly, Mines. Second division exactly. Bundesliga and teams. And so, yeah. usually, play, uh, managers don't take over massively successful teams and continue. Look at Klopp at Liverpool. He had to rebuild Liverpool. No, he I totally get it. He just walk in the door. So... So what I'm saying is that those stats, it's a lot easier for Pep to get those remarkable stats because he, I mean, come on, he managed Bayern Munich. I mean, if you don't win the title every single year with Bayern Munich, you're a failure as a manager. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait. <laughs> so here's the thing with that. On, on your point there, one of the reasons that Pep was able to inherit a club as massive as Barca at the time that they were as big as they were in 2008, I think it was, Pep's greatest, so he was a holding midfielder, a defensive midfielder, but he was just as good on the pitch as, or how do I want to word this? What his greatest strength was on the pitch, and this is a parallel between these two managers, was his brain. Yes. He was a very, he was a much better player than Klopp was when they were physically playing. He's got That's 18 it, years. It turns out that to be a number six you got to be pretty fucking You've smart. You've got to be this really smart guy. Right. So forget all these McAllister conversations that we keep having. <laughs> we should just give him an intelligence test. <laughs> Whoever's got the biggest brains, so stick him at number six. My, my point is, uh, he did something very different for the role of a number six, and that's he was a playmaker, which is usually more for your yeah. forward central midfielder or elsewhere. He was very good at reading things in real time and making plays as they were happening, which is partially why he came into managerial roles as quickly as he did for the clubs that he did. Now, his player maker, as a player maker, what tactics was Croft using? Total football. Bingo, which is you need a decent playmaker in the middle and then you're going to yeah. see More where your passes right. are. Long balls, short balls. And who did Pep start making? playing under? Johan Cruyff, yeah. Exactly, his Barcelona dream team. As I said earlier, he inherited it from his idol. Absolutely. And, and he he took his total football and flipped it a little bit, but kept the, uh, kept the basic structure of it. And he's done good things. And yes, on your on your point... Being at Barca, yeah, you have to win. It's a two-horse two -horse race. Mm -hmm. Unless it's this year. Um, well, you, know, you can say now. that. Yeah, so for now. That's like the but Leicester anomaly. I, I completely you know. agree with you. 
like he went into clubs with huge money, huge stakes, huge yeah. players. Like he, already, super he had Ronaldinho playing he for him. Build these clubs. He had Messi. Yeah, he yeah. didn't build these clubs. No. Exactly. That's why he's not the greatest manager. Of but all he can time. take quality talent, use his knowledge of total football and his tiki taka, and bring it to. And be yeah, nearly every league and compete. I know there's two horse race in obviously Spain and two yeah, horse Germany. race in Germany, but yeah. in England it wasn't always a it two horse. Race. It's not a two horse race in Germany. It's a one horse race. Yeah, yeah. Well, when he was there it was against a one horse race then Dortmund, it was a one horse race then too. Dortmund you, were already on their way down. If by the you, oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of different years. If you can't then. win as a Bayern Munich manager, then you're a failure. It, it, you, that's that's simple as that, in my opinion. There's just the only competition they're really competing for is Champions League. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And how many of them did he win at Bayern? I don't know. Actually. Uh, the answer zero. Yeah. He did not win uh, Champions League in Germany. He won two in Barcelona, and he's won one in the English Premier League. But he did not win Champions League. He actually, I don't even think he won all of the Bundesliga titles with with Bayern when he was there. He didn't. Because two of them were won by somebody else. No, Klopp won one. He won the other two in his three years. Okay. There. Yeah, because Klopp's the the first year he won, um, Pep was still in Barcelona. Okay. Yeah. So, and at that point, the two managers I don't think had ever locked horns, which is that was kind of the first year that we saw them both yes, in the same right. league at the same time. Um, so we're, we're probably messing up a timeline here. So you were going back. So so you know, Barca. how do you want to reset this? So Barca, uh, we were talking about ethics at the top of the show and something completely unrelated. But let's also not forget that towards the end of Pep Guardiola's career, he w- he tested twice positive for performance enhancing drugs. What uh, Al Ahil and no, he was uh, in Italy at the Roma. time. Roma, in Roma before Roma. Um, where was he before Roma? I forget. Barcelona. Yeah, oh, Roma, Brescia. Brescia. Thank you. Um, that's when it, it was back to back. He. I. I don't know what the drug testing protocols are in football, and I'm sure they're they're pretty sparse, if at all. Apparently, um, taking those drugs makes your hair fall out. <laughs> oh, is that your? Excuse? That's a lovely fro. Oh wow, that's a Halloween costume. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he, he. There was some kind of weird uh, court thing where he he protested it and it got turned over and then there was something more i don't know i didn't dig into it but i guess my point is pep's ethics are pretty much win first think about everything else later which made him a great player manager so far i've labeled pep the (laughs) overlord of a corrupt regime the (laughs) drug taking cheating player who is only successful because he inherits great teams with great wealth to plug any holes. Is that where I am so far? That's that's sort of where you're at. Yeah. No, that's about right. You're not wrong. You're just missing the other half of the <laughs> equation where he's a genius. <laughs> he really is because he doesn't play total football anymore. Mm-mm. But what he does is his system is so rigid, and we've talked about it on the show here and there, where it's mechanical, where this piece, I need to upgrade this piece of my machine so I go buy a player that can do what I need him to do. And with the money that. he has, though, he can go and buy the elite players. Yes, exactly. I, we're going to come to the comparison, I'm sure, in a minute. And mm-hmm. I just think all of these points are worth mentioning and comparing to Mr. Klopp because I think you will find a much better human being. I also don't want to sit here and Better bag right. on Pep because I want people to take this seriously. And if we're just sitting here and, and pissing on Pep this whole time, it cannot be understated how smart 
of a man he is, how accomplished of a manager. You're right. He hasn't built those teams. But when he, what he's been able to do with these teams, with his system, is incredible. He plays an incredible brand of football that I don't even like. But as an outside viewer, watching what he's able to do is second to no one in terms of how he's been able to do it. Has he had resources that other managers don't have? Absolutely. But he's maximized those resources in ways we've seen managers with the same level of resources that Pep has that haven't done what Pep no, has haven't. done. What do you no, mean? Nobody's had the amount of resources that Pep's had. Unlimited money from no, no, the Middle East? Nobody's had that other than Pep. I mean, we're, we're watching. We've got multiple oh, state Real Madrid teams. Real Madrid haven't had buckets of money for years. And were equally as successful as Pep. Yeah. In a much less competitive They won far more European Cups. True. That's good point. Good point. Um, but we've got we've got state funded teams in the Premier League that haven't I mean Chelsea weren't able to do this. Sure. Chelsea won two Champions Leagues and multiple Premier Leagues with Abramovich. Not as and Mourinho. Mourinho is as good a manager as Pep. I think that is I just think he's a foul human being and I don't think Pep's a great one. That's fair, but Mourinho did not literally have the success that Pep has had. He doesn't have nearly the numbers that Pep has with just as many resources. Uh, Mourinho won the Champions League where Porto walked off the field with his medal and walked straight into the dressing room of Chelsea. <laughs> like, And then won the league with them in 2005, won the league in 2007, won the yeah. Champions League in 2008, mm-hmm. got them to another Champions League, and then he's gone. Never went back to back. No, I, I, well, maybe they won an FA Cup there as well somewhere. I'm, I don't know. They're off yeah, the top. His of my head. accolades do not; they pale in comparison to Pat. George Graham, uh, I think, was the manager of Arsenal in the undefeated uh, season. Were they? I'm sorry. State funded. Uh, it was, uh, was Wenger. It, it was Wenger. Yeah. So, okay, so Wenger. Uh, Com- I, I put Wenger up there um, in the same elite year, echelon. Same year, got to I a Champions League good. final, lost to Barcelona. And we can't. We can't. Johan Cruyff surely was a better. Fergie. I mean, as much as I hate I was going to bring up Mr. Ferguson and... He's probably second. No, he's the greatest of all time. I agree. In the, in the Premier I'm League. Saying, I'm saying numbers-wise, he would be second to Pep in terms of what their accolades ex are. Ex-bloody G. <laughs> ex-bloody, more like ex-bloody trophies. I know you didn't. What I'm meaning by that is, yeah, the statistics aren't just and the numbers aren't just what, what gets gets me. You can't judge success based on purely on numbers if you ask me who i'd rather have managing my team it would be ferguson and i wouldn't have to think about it if it's between these two guys i'm just saying my role here is to give you the facts and you can interpret them how you will and my role here is going to be redressing some of the balance of everybody else saying pep is all this i on a personal level, I'm inclined to agree with you. I think there's a lot of asterisks in Pep's career that need to be addressed, and we have addressed them. Okay. I'm just, I'm just he's giving you the manager. numbers. He's a good manager. He's got a great footballer's mind. That's what I, I'm not okay. even going to say he's a great manager because he's pissed off a lot of players over the years too, and that's something that, that we can talk about. He's had a lot of players leave his club that were key pieces. You know, We've seen this happen. We've got two of these guys... In Arsenal, one of these guys are at Chelsea. Why would you want to stay with the team that's winning every single year? You're on about Sterling? Sterling. Palmer. Palm- Palmer. Well, Cole Palmer, Zinchenko. I don't rate him as much as people do. And forgetting the Jesus. money he did. One second. Forgetting the money he did. Jesus was coming to the mm, downfall if you want to get hot I on. know. All the more but reason to stay. Cole Palmer, I think he's 
a little overrated, definitely overpriced. If they got 32 million for him instead of the 45. 51. Oh, 51. Are you kidding me? That kid is not worth 51. We don't know what he's worth yet, in fairness. He's very But young. at that age, you're not buying. You, Suppose- you're buying a player that you're thinking that this kid has the future. That's why you pay that Supposedly money. Supposedly Pep told him he was going to be starting too. And he's like, yeah, I still want to leave. So, but so to they brought in point, Goku for him. And that's a far better signing than Palmer, in my opinion. Agreed. But, but all Nick's saying is there has been players who've left who, who, if you're building a club and building an empire, you people should want to play for you. Why yes. wouldn't you want to play for, for Pep? And that's my point. I mean, we, we've seen great players come out of that, that system that... I don't know. I don't hear a lot of people bashing Pep on their way out, but you certainly don't hear them singing the praises that we saw Mane, Keita, Ginny, Hendo, all of these players, Bobby, all of these players that have left the Liverpool side have had nothing but good things to say about Klopp on their way out. If I was a, a young player like Foden or Grealish, I'm in, I'm, I'm in my prime or I'm just about to hit my prime, uh, especially for their positions. You're, you're on a roulette wheel. Is it your turn or not? Mm-hmm. That's got to be harsh. You know, I want to be playing every game if I am near my peak because I want to be, you know, hitting my country's uh, international days. I want to be winning trophies, whatever else. There's got to be a, there's got to be a lot of players there that go, okay, I'm getting really sick of this. Sure. Or there's got to be players that are going, I know I'll get my turn and I know I'm going to get trophies. Right. As long as I do 10 games, I got a medal. And when they've already got five trophies or whatever they've got, they're like, you know what? At this point, I've won everything there is to win. That's all under. That, that's all behind me. Now I want to play every day. Mm. And maybe you don't want to play for a drill sergeant like Pep Guardiola. Or, and again, this is just my opinion, is that you win everything, but then you realize, oh, I actually did nothing. I came on the field. I played less than 200 minutes in an entire season. I came on as a sub, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Did I score? Did I have any chances? Did we win a game because of me? No, I have fake medals. <laughs> I, w- I, w- okay. I think you'd be hard-pressed tainted to medals. say that. Uh, tainted medals. Did, I don't know. Does, Again, my opinion. Does yeah. Guardiola make players better? No. No, Ooh. he takes what they already do great and puts them in the right place at the right time. I don't think players come f- into Guardiola and and I say this not knowing. And I say this, yeah, I'm sure a lot of these players have gotten better, but not because of Pep. It's because they got put into the system. If Guardiola could put a robot in place of a Rodri that could do the same thing, he would. So Grealish, is Grealish a better player since he left, left Villa and now he's at City? No. No. So when I he was at Villa, is. Everything, went through, at Villa everything went through Grealish, and Grealish used to take a man on, and he was an electric player at City... He's become more of a cog in a machine. I think he's the fame has gone to his little head. I like uh, Grealish. I think he's an he's 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 oasis wannabe. <laughs> he's a good player. He's he good should human. be a, a better player. He's a decent human being too. So. No, no, I, I like. Don't get me wrong. Like nobody has ever said anything bad about Grealish. I'm just making a little bit of a fool. Yeah, you're of him, fine. But, I just think he's. Uh, I don't think that Pep has made him a better player. He's only thing I'm. He's wor- made him um, sterile to me. He's mm-hmm. he's taken all of the individual brilliance out of Grealish and said you're not allowed to do that here Calvin Phillips even worse Calvin Phillips was a superstar with so much talent and exhibiting it for Leeds freedom to 
really express himself. And that's, football's about expressing yourself and being exciting. And he can't even get a game because he either he can't adapt to being a boring person, or but it, uh, yeah, to me he's ruined him. Guardiola's ruined him. Phillips. I agree that Pep doesn't really bring out the talent of the youth. We'll say Klopp does. Andy Robertson. Go back a little bit further. Robert Lewandowski. He wouldn't mm-hmm. have been half the player he was if Klopp didn't take him under his wing. Klopp, you're saying, yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I, I know what you're saying is like, Grealish should be, you know, hitting his peak. And he, he really should. He's 26. To me, he was hitting his peak at Villa. At yeah, but that's my point. Yeah. But right now, it's like, uh, I'm starting this game. I'm not starting the next game. I'm getting 20 minutes here, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, some I, players need continuity. Exactly. And I think he is one of them. Yep. Otherwise, he is going to struggle or he's going to want to move. So here's my thought. But I could be wrong. This. He just might want medals. Before you go there, I just want to redress a little bit. Nathan Ake left Bournemouth, went to um, City. City. Definitely a better player because of Pep. True. So true. There are in all sports we see. So De Bruyne. I hate to do this, but I'm going to take this over to the NBA for a second. <laughs> and here's there our reference. Is. LeBron James is really great at taking in all stars and fitting them into the system that LeBron James plays to to make them this elite level. He is not good at facilitating the ball to youth. Now, I know you guys mostly probably don't care about the NBA, but that's sort of what Pep does. If you are already... National Billiards Association? (laughs) Yes. If you are really good at... If if you take a Jack Grealish, for example, who's a, a great scorer, a really creative player, and you stick him into a system that is not a very creative system, Pep's system is meant to work, not to flow. So we'll, we'll, we'll call it that. As long as everyone is doing what their role is, but you have to play your role to find success. Youth, these guys don't know what they're best suited to do yet. So no, they're not going to develop as well under Pep as they would under a Klopp, which we'll get to. If you are in Erling Holland who's already amazing at doing one thing, Pep will find a way for you to fit into that system. Holland hasn't grown in any aspect of his game other than scoring goals. His head's a bit But that's, that's what he is. <laughs> yeah. he's, he, he's a goal scorer. That's why he was brought in. Feed Absolutely. the machine. That's what he does, though. Feed the machine. Exactly. Do the but if Klopp had brought him in, what do you want to bet? You'd see higher assist numbers from Holland, maybe less goal scoring. Because Klopp will fill you out as a player and make you a full footballer. Yeah. We've seen agree. that with everyone that Agreed. Klopp has brought in. So... One of our best strikers, I suppose, in the recent year, Firmino, did a lot more defending sometimes in a game. Defending and facilitating. Yeah. Well, As you, a number nine. But you can even talk about other players. Salah Sean also. Flanagan. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. He had a good little uh, career when he first started. And I thought he, he did, but he, Klopp built somewhere. him up and sold him for a nice sum of money. Um, mm-hmm. He went to Scotland. Hey, we sold him. Nico Williams, we sold him for a tidy sum of, mon- sum of money. Forest. Dominic Solanke. You're going to fill me in here? Went to... Oh, that Bournemouth. Be, yeah, but um, he wasn't a great player when he was with us. Still sold him for a lot of money. There's we did. A whole, there's a whole load of players who were mediocre. We bought him for that, 15 million, I remember. So a whole bunch of players who were mediocre that Klopp has made good and then actually got good money for them. And we wouldn't be where we are without getting good money for mediocre t- talent. <laughs> yeah. But Klopp has done a great job. And it's not just Klopp. I, I want to be clear here. It's not just Guardiola either. There's a whole system and a whole bunch of assistant coaches and backroom staff that's all brought on. And I I don't even know if 
Pep runs training, and I don't know if Klopp yeah, runs he does. training. He does. They, they both they, do. They both run training. But yeah. the amount of new coaches that have been brought into the systems in the last four to five years is crazy. Like, you mean in football as a whole or in these two teams? No, uh, football as a whole. Right. Like nutrition you, coaches, well, not throwing even coaches. Throwing coaches, uh, free set kick, piece, set yeah. piece. Well, not even just set piece because set piece means any dead ball situation. Right, specifically like corners, corners throw-ins, free kicks, yep. long free kicks, yep. throw-ins, as you said. Um, like there's so much more going into these players that even if you go back and look at some of the games from the earlier Premier League in the 2000s, you look at the stadium states, you look at how they're playing, the challenges they're taking, and then you compare them to today, you're getting a lot more hard knocks back then, a lot more injuries. Yes, you are still getting a lot of injuries today, but you have a lot more talented professionals bringing you to your peak quicker. What's your point here about the manager of this though? But that's what I'm saying is that your manager needs to have those understudies and you have the likes of an Arteta under you or a company under you learning. But Pep under Klopp, I can't, I, I'm not going to try to pr- pronounce his surname. Uh, Who, sorry? Our Pep. Pep Linders. Pep Linders. Thank you. I can never pronounce okay. his surname properly. Um, Brilliant mind. Exactly my point. They worked well together. They worked mm-hmm. off each other. And he- Pep worked well with Arteta. I mean, so so another measure of a good manager, I think, is what you're saying is building a team of professionals who can espouse your philosophy and live it. And I think both Klopp and um, Guardiola have done that. Pep does that in terms of developing managers that are working under him better than I think he develops young players on the pitch. Okay, and, and I can probably... Who else has he developed? Um, well, Arteta and company are the two Arteta big Arteta and ones. company, I think. Company is still a question mark, but I don't know that that's entirely company's fault. No, it's we'll not. We'll see. Um, Arteta, well, obviously, just finally the, the student overcame the master. And uh, so who was Klopp developed as a manager? I don't believe... Steven Gerrard. Oh, they only worked together no. for a year, and they didn't he even work hand in hand. Yeah, yeah, he was with the U21. I'm just or trying something. to be even here and give out... It's a bad example. But that's the, so, at this moment in time, we're shitting on Pep. He no, I'm brings not. up Matt. Awesome. He, no, no, we're just, being fair. I know. <laughs> we're shitting on Pep. Uh, he only uh, coaches managers to be managers. Uh, what he gets on the team is what he gets out of the team. Klopp brings out the best in the youth and he creates a team but doesn't create managers. Is that what we're saying? That's well, what, that's I, what I, we're And so that's the summer. Let's go. So, so let's, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll really back in because we're going to dive a little deeper on a Klopp in a few minutes after we take a break. But I, I do want to kind of round up this conversation as Pep. He was an incredible player for Barcelona. Agreed. But, but not in a way that statistics are always going to show. What he did great was his playmaking and that obviously translated incredibly well into management. Now, is he the best developing manager? No, but he doesn't have to be given the roles that he's taken on. Also great. And that's fine. He can institute his incredibly rigid and incredibly successful brand of football with the right pieces in his machine. That's what he does best. And uh, there's no denying that he does a great job of it. So through La Liga, Bundesliga, and now the English Premier League, we have seen Pep Guardiola have nothing but success. Did he inherit great teams? Absolutely. Did he inherit great teams with a lot of money? Absolutely. But did he make the most out of those opportunities? Absolutely. So, do we like him? Probably not. <laughs> but it is what it is. So let's let's have some closing thoughts on Pep before we take a quick break. 
I think he's a decent manager. I think what he does is good. Um, in terms of his quick play, I like watching sometimes. You know, it's hard to watch City and not go, fuck, I wish they'd just lose. (laughs) (laughs) But watching them, there is excitement a little bit, but there is also boredom sometimes, especially when you get people like, uh, or teams like Burnley or whoever, and they just completely make Holland their target and there's no forward play and they have to go creative. But that is what football is about, right? So when you watch that and they can take out an entire player, like they take out Salah, Hmm. Right, you've got to see the creativity from the manager to come up with better tactics because he now has to process that. And I think Guardiola is good at that. I think on the spot he can change his tactics, like, and just find a way around it. And that's my point on him. So I think great player, clearly a, a elite manager in terms of what he's achieved. And I'll leave it like that. <laughs> I'm kind words, this. at least. <laughs> he was a very unique player for the time. He is a very successful manager. But if we count being a great manager as not just winning games, but also developing talent and stuff, that's where the question mark comes in. And if the time ever comes where Pep has to build a team as opposed to inheriting a team, that'll alter the course of the conversation. But I think no matter what happens going forward, he could win the quad, he could do whatever the hell it is that Pep does that would make him more successful than he is now. Until he does something that allows us to go, oh my God, that team was nothing and he took them to something, there's always going to be a question mark with him. So... On that, we're going to take a quick break before we move on to our beloved Jurgen Klopp. Welcome back, listener. Now that we're done with Pep, let's move on to the real hero of our story, Jurgen Norbert Klopp. Um, Norbert? Yes, uh, the man with fourth division feet, but a first division brain came right out of his playing career, which only lasted 10 years and into management for the same club, Mines. Mines 05, does anyone know what the 05 is? I know a probably lot of Probably refounded in, in 1905. Yeah, probably. Okay, that's what I assumed. I probably should have looked that up, but I know a lot of the I've German been to Mainz. Have you? Uh, What's it like? Nothing to report. <laughs> so <laughs> so Mines... During Klopp's time, they started in the second division. That's where they were the entire time he played. He was able to get That's where they ended up after he left, too. And they sure did. So they were in the second division. They were promoted for two years and went back down, at which point Klopp had decided to resign after seven years. Let's not overlook something here. Um, When he was at Mainz, Mainz Andy got Mainz into the Bundesliga. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Smallest ground, smallest uh, They were the Luton of... Yeah, the the smallest budget. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, um, expectations almost none. And in fact, I think most people expected them to probably go back down. And I think it's a real testament to Klopp that um, he he built something there. He couldn't sustain it. You know, at the end of the day, they still didn't have money. And what two years up were they in? Two years and then went down. Two years and then down. And this is going to be a theme that we're going to see throughout Klopp's managerial career. Is it's essentially the opposite of Pep with similar results. We're going to see him taking on clubs that struggle, 
that don't have unlimited budgets, that do have a lot of challenges, and he will pull them up out of the dregs and into success to varying degrees. So Minds is actually not its full name. I did your little ask. Uh, it's called First Football and Sports Club Minds 05. They're not just a football club. They do handball, table tennis, and et cetera, other sports. Oh, okay. So they're all around. <laughs> yeah, the German, German football Dortmund's the same way. They've got some obnoxiously long name that isn't just Borussia Dortmund. Well, that's the German language for all you. This, yeah. This, <laughs> I mean, it is. They, they, they stitch these words together to form these big, long expressions. But yeah. Favorite German word? Krakenwagen. Yeah. Ambulance. Hospital. Hospital I mean, wagon. Yeah. Ambulance. Kranken. Yeah. <laughs> Krankenwagen. Yeah. Okay. Schweinsteiger. So at Mainz, Klopp had started as a striker in the in the 90s. And by halfway through his 10-year playing career, he was moved to defense because he was... Well, he was not good. He was not a good defender either. But he was kept in the team generally because he was so smart on the pitch. So what we saw with Pep while we're doing this uh, comparison here, is that he was a very good player with a very good brain. Klopp, not a very good player, but a very good brain. And universally beloved by all of his, uh, his teammates and coaching staff and all that. So in 2001, when he officially retired from his professional footballing career, he immediately moved into management and took over for whoever they had fired Thomas at the time. Thomas Dahl. Thank you. Thank you. Thomas Dahl. Um, don't know much about him. Not sure there is <laughs> much to know about him. Actually, and that, sorry, he took over from Thomas Dahl at Dortmund, not in Mainz. My apologies. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, he was fired for a 13th position. And uh, then, at Dortmund. At yeah. Dortmund. And then Klopp was brought in. Yes. yes. He was still in the Mainz thing. Sorry. Yes, yeah, yeah, very sorry. much. So Mainz... Second division, very small club, as we've established. Uh, they found continued success for the first few years into finally getting promotion into the Bundesliga, the first division. And it was not very long. Uh, within two years, they were back down. And that would bring Klopp's seventh year to his final at Mainz. Um, not disgraced, not that, you know, it was just part of the issue that you had already discussed there, Neil, where they just didn't have the money to retain yeah. that success. So he, w he was asked to stay on after the relegation. No, no, after he didn't get promotion, he was asked to stay on. So they for were whatever reason, didn't feel like staying on. They and were relegated in 2007. Yeah, relegated in 2007. He tried to get promotion back in 2008, didn't get promotion. There was talk of him joining Bayern Munich and so on, but yes, he yeah. went to Borussia Dortmund to replace Thomas Dahl. Mm -hmm. um, ends up staying there for seven years, but w lots of achievements in that seven years. Yes. Uh, they found themselves in European football for the first time in He won a his long first time. trophy with the Super Cup, Super Cup straight, straight out. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Against Munich. I believe they won something like seven games in a row after he took over. Really? Yeah. So they started in. A, I, I forget, I, you know, I'm dumb. I should have... He just... i tell you what, though. He does bring confidence for his players. He's always a person with his arm around. A good performance or bad, you very rarely... Sometimes you do, but you very rarely hear him um, criticizing his players. Mm -hmm. You very rarely see him, much to my disappointment sometimes, very rarely see him make changes at halftime. He just puts his hand arm around his players, and he... 
protects them from all of the pressures and takes it on himself. Uh, you you could argue he makes himself the focus of the football club and doesn't let the players be the focus, but I think that's a really beneficial. Yeah. Yeah, he's the guy in the headlines if there's controversy, yeah. not one of the players typically, mm-hmm. um, which I think is by design. He'll go in and he'll complain about the refereeing so that the players don't have to. Yeah, who was it? Was it Suarez who racially abused Evera? Who was it? Yeah. yeah. And um, Liverpool got it wrong. They the, the players and everybody else came out and supported, which was unacceptable behavior. And... I don't know how long it was before Klopp made a statement, but he made a statement like, we got it wrong, I got it wrong. And um, I just like that uh, about the guy that is willing to protect his players, but he's also willing to stand up and say, I got it wrong. Mm-hmm. And um, but That's what makes he, him a decent human yeah, being. Yeah, a decent human being. Right, right. What, he did, what he did at Dortmund was really impressive, though. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah, Incredible. as I was saying before, if you buy in Munich and you can't win the league, mm. it's because you suck. Or you clap. <laughs> or you got clap of the other team. Oh, you've got somebody who has absolutely done transformational things, and that's what Klopp did. Yeah, um, like you were on about the the streak they had at the opening season. That yeah. was the six two of seven, I think. Uh, no, it's actually fourteen of fifteen. That was the wow. year they won. I yeah, think. Not, that's not their, the first year he came in. No, 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 no. Yeah, uh, but he also broke uh, Munich's record of how many wins in a row and how many. Um, undefeated games. He also broke the Bundesliga points record, which I don't know if it's since been broken, but um, I think it was the second year in a row that they won. They won with 81 points, which at the time was the most in Bundesliga history. Well, not only those great things, but he did it with his best players being poached too. He started off with Royce and Lewandowski. Oh, and, Marco Royce. Uh, Gundogan. Gundogan, yeah. Um, there's probably more, but those off the top of my head who all lot, played yeah. for him. Uh, Mark Hummels. Yeah. But a lot of these people left and they all got poached by who? <laughs> Munich. Oh, indeed. Well, that that's the most disappointing part about Klopp's time at Dortmund is these players. And, and we've seen it that, that Bayern Munich, if there's a good player somewhere in Germany, they end up wearing a red shirt at some point. Mario Götze is another perfect example yeah. of a player that Klopp just brought to yep. a, a, a pinnacle. And then he just disappeared because he he hadn't got the coach underneath him or a good coach underneath him to give him that boost in confidence. Right. And he fell off. Right. I feel sorry for him because he was a decent ash player. He's still playing, isn't he? I don't. I don't know actually. I, I think I think he he popped up on something recently, and I was like, oh, I haven't thought about him in a while, but I don't recall. Um, but this is sort of all we're we're setting the table here, where we're talking about Pep and how he can take these. In. I don't know. He does. He plays for Frankfurt. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. I knew he was somewhere. Um, I don't know that Klopp would be as successful doing things the Pep Guardiola way. He wouldn't. Just by bringing in all-stars to fit into his system. He needs the right player with the right personality and the right range. I mean, he says it's, he calls himself, you know, the mentality monsters. The regular mentality, one. Uh, the mentality. I think that's what he looks for in a player. Yeah. If they have the right mentality and they fit his system, that's why the mentality monsters, because they all fit together with the same mentality. Yeah. It's not just a bunch of prima donnas who are being told to do specific jobs and disciplined if they don't. That's Klopp. I mean, that's Pep. Role Klopp's, players. Yeah. Klopp's about finding people with personality who have a shared vision and, um, yeah, and, and they know each of them know they've got each other's back. 
And it's not to say, I don't want to make assumptions to say that the city players don't have a love and a camaraderie for one another, because I'm sure they do, but it's a different culture. And that's the kind of thing that everywhere Klopp goes, this culture of, it's almost like family, where you bring everyone in, Mm -hmm. you can tell these players love being on the pitch together, they love being around one another, there's just this very warm culture where city is very mechanical. And that's not to say that Holland and Foden don't get along and play FIFA together or whatever, but... That's not a staple of City. That's just a result of these guys spending a lot of time with one another. Part of, to your point, Neil, part of what Klopp is doing is prolonging that culture of Liverpool football where it's more than just winning. It's playing the right way on the pitch. He's a Liverpool manager through and through. He's just like the boot room boys. He's just like, you know, he's a natural successor to a Shankly, uh, Ronnie Moran, and Evans, a Joe Fagan. Klopp to me, he's not quite the dour um, person that they were. Most of them were Rogers. Even Rogers has a bit of a smile sometimes, but um, but Klopp is such an energetic presence, and um, yeah, I guess he does get criticised for moaning and complaining. Uh, but without his moaning and complaining, we wouldn't have five subs, and we wouldn't have um, a stacked fixture list all the time. And there's other things that he's complained about that's been brought in. And people yet still complain that he complains, but they're benefiting from the... It's helping everyone. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure about the five sub-things. That would have happened no matter what. He was just very vocal about it. Just when's it going to end? We're going to end up with 11 subs, and then we're going to end up with a defensive team and an attacking team. We're going to end up with subs (laughs) when the ball is turned over. It's going to just be NBA basketball. (laughs) Well, we're going to have two teams, (laughs) offensive team and a defensive team. Yeah, that's what I'm... That's what uh, I'm worried about. Let's not go down. Then we bring out special not, not kickers, but, yeah, yeah, special catchers. So, yeah. <laughs> another another conversation for another time. So once Klopp has done his time at Dortmund, he won back-to-back titles, which in the Bundesliga, as we've said, it's is easy. A, yeah, super easy. If, if you're, you're Bayern, Bayern Munich. <laughs> yeah, he won back-to-back. His last year winning back-to-back was actually Pep's first year with Bayern Munich, which we didn't go into a ton in the pep segment, but that's okay. Um, This would be the first time that these two managers end up having some kind of interaction with one another. So it's not a lot at this point because Klopp would only leave a couple years later. And by this point, Pep has come in and taken the monsters of Bayern Munich and started winning everything again. Um, But what we found with Klopp is that he signed a contract with Borussia Dortmund to take him through to 2018. By the 2014 season, when it was clear that he had hit whatever threshold Dortmund was going to have under him, he decided to step down as manager before his contract. He resigned. Now, what happened there is Dortmund hit a new manager bounce, and they won a series of games right afterwards. And this is the kind of character that Klopp is. After stepping down, he was told, well, Dortmund just hit this winning streak uh, right after you left. What do you have to say about it? He said, if I had known that earlier, I would have left at the beginning of the season. <laughs> so we've got this very dry sense of humor and very realistic look at who he is as a person. He's not afraid to take the piss out of himself. He's not afraid to admit when he's wrong. It's this kind of thing. He doesn't make a lot of excuses. He complains a lot about things that he feels are, I don't know, minor injustices throughout the the sport and stuff. But you're not going to see him sitting there going, well, it was this thing's fault and that thing's fault. Even after the the dreaded Spurs game, (laughs) of all people, he was not the most vocal about 
demanding a, a, a rematch and, and any of this stuff. He kind of just looked at it as there's nothing I can do. So we're going to move on. And that's the kind of guy that Klopp is. That's the kind of culture yeah, he's I mean, instituted. Let's talk about his first year at uh, Liverpool. So 2015, yes. he moves to Liverpool. And at the time, the managerial... This was pedestal. immediately after Brendan Rodgers? Yeah, immediately yeah. after Brendan Rodgers. But mm-hmm. the, the managerial pedestal at that time was occupied by Mourinho. Mourinho was mm-hmm. winning everything. And Mourinho called himself, remember what he called himself? The special one. And Klopp called and himself the, the normal one. The normal one. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of understated guy he was. I think that's a, how it is. That's, you know, He's very good. charismatic. People like yeah. Klopp. They either like to dislike him because he's an entertaining guy. It's not like a Mourinho who shoots his mouth off and it's really entertaining, but he's pretty much universally despised. It's not a Thomas Tuchel. I, I, I do too. I, just because I, I don't know what he's going to say next. It's I know. Be something ridiculous. Oh, the Rafa Jose things. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, there you go. I have nothing to say. <laughs> I have nothing to say. Just, it, if, if, I am what did he say? I will buy you. Uh, Rooney, hello, I will buy you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's these guys that make the sport really exciting. The thing is, with Klopp, he doesn't make an ass of himself. I will say, I was living in the UK at the time when Klopp came in. The amount of people that jumped on the Liverpool bandwagon because of his, you know, family approach yeah. to the players. People saw football in a little different light. And a lot of old Liverpool players, or old Liverpool fans came out of the woodwork and were like yeah. jumping on board as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. he's not. But, uh, Especially during the Suarez storage era, like a lot that. of people jumped on. But that was Rogers. Yeah, but they stayed right after yeah, for the club. I mean, Brandon Rogers certainly had an exciting brand of football. Yeah. It's just oh, it there was, was no defense. <laughs> it um, was great. And um, you, know. you shoot somebody that outdraws you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then Klopp took what three years to turn us around. Mm. Um, I would say that it was less than three years to turn us around. It was three years before he really started winning. Um, we saw a lot of things. So the only player that we know from the Klopp era that was there when Klopp came in was Roberto Firmino. But he changed the way Bobby played. Yeah, I forget if Bobby was just a striker or a winger. I forget exactly how they were using him at the time. But he was definitely underutilized. So we've we've gone on a lot about what Klopp is able to do with a young player and how he develops them. And he noticed a lot in Bobby's game that allowed him... I mean, Bobby's footwork, I think, has always been really underrated. But that's what makes him an incredible false nine, which, to those listening that don't know, it's a player that plays central forward, but really plays more of a midfield slash forward role. They drop back into defense to assist the midfield, and they're really good at assisting balls out to the wingers to score. Um, and that's what Klopp, Klopp revolutionized the position of the false nine. A lot of teams now play a 4-3-3 with the false nine. And part of that had to do, not that he invented the false nine, but he really took it to the next level along with the Gagan pressing that he brought Yeah, into the Gagan England. pressing, the heavy metal football, that was, that was definitely different. Klopp has changed his style, I think, far more than Guardiola over the time. Guardiola has had a tried and trusted... He makes Johan small tinkers. Yeah. Who, Klopp? No, no, Pep. Pep, yeah. Whereas Klopp has changed. Che- Klopp isn't doing the heavy metal pressing football at the moment. He's still playing that high back mm-hmm. line. Ooh, scares me some days. Yeah. But um, but yeah, he's he's quite transformed his football, I think, Klopp over time. Absolutely. Um, his first season, we got to two finals. Sevilla final, Europa League. Yeah. We lost it, I know. Yeah. Uh, but we also got to the uh, Carabao Cup or whatever it was called back then. 
final, right. and we Malik. lost that too, unfortunately. Yeah. 2016. Yeah. yeah. The trophies so, didn't come until a couple of years later. But even then, like, we hadn't been getting to finals and stuff, no, no, and no. we hadn't gotten to the Champions League well, in a few first years. year, he also finished eighth, which was Yeah, great. but his next yeah. year, he finished fourth, and we got their first Champions League again for yeah. however long it was, 10 yeah. years or... Yeah. And made it... That was the year we made it to Madrid. Or the... Uh, or no, that wasn't in Madrid. It was... Um, that was the year we lost the final to Madrid, I think, right? That first year back in Europe. 2017, 2018? Yeah. 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 Because then it was 2019 that he won, but we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves mm -hmm. here. Um, that heavy metal football, that high pace, the high press, the high line, the dominant possession, that's the one thing that both managers do have in common in their systems is possession first. You lose the ball, you win it back right away. You control the game, you control the pace, whether you want to slow it down or speed it up by holding on to possession. The high press is obviously the calling card of Klopp. We still use it to this day, just to maybe a little differing degree, but we're not going to get into all the nitty gritties of tactics because we'll be here all night. Um, Klopp but I love tactics, Nick. I do too. You've read the um, tactics book. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Inverting the Pyramid. Thank you. Of course. Have you? One of many. I read the first page. <laughs> I gave it to you a year ago. <laughs> That's okay. What can I say? I'm a slow reader. <laughs> they're slow, then they're sloth-like. <laughs> so Klopp brings us back to Europe. When we're back in Europe, we make it to the final, lose to Madrid. That was an, a very ugly game. Got robbed by Ramos. Yeah, yeah. we don't say the R word on this podcast anymore. Um, the following year is a little bit different. Now, City lose to Spurs in the semi-final, I believe that no, season. We beat Spurs. Uh, we beat. We beat City. We beat City. We beat City quarterfinals. I believe they, they beat Ajax. Oh right, right, right. Yep, yep. So Spurs beat Ajax. We end up in the final, and obviously we beat City. We won three nil in the first leg, and I think we won the second leg two one. Actually, thank you, thank you. Um, After going down one nil. Yep. Let's talk about six, baby. Is where that, <laughs> that phrase comes from, uh, from Mr. Klopp. Uh, so in three years' time, he takes a club that's middling, struggling in the mid-table, kind of lost its identity, we'll say, and within that three-year period brings us to European glory, challenging for the, the uh, English title. Uh, domestic Cups, I don't think there were any one there. Um but we saw a complete rebuild of the team in that three years' time. So, that's so, so yeah, I mean, he came in and he got the most out of the players that were there. I think he reestablished the academy as well. I mean, it was already established, but he started to get some players coming through there. Trent. He made some good buys. and Salah, Mane. Made some bad buys too, mm -hmm. Keita. Oh, you know what? Uh, Henderson was... I, I said that Bobby was the only player Hendo, that he yeah. inherited. It was Hendo and Bobby. Mm -hmm. So My mistake. So yeah, he's made some missteps. Shakiri also came in with that cater buy. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, Shakiri was an important piece too for a little. The, while. the most important pieces for me in Klopp's signings in his early days were probably Allison and Van Dyke. Yes, and that was the big difference over Carius and I guess Lovren, but Lovren was um, coming to the end. Yeah, uh, so yeah, great player for his. Yeah, time. we had Skirtle as well. Yeah, but, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. but yeah, um, so yeah, uh, he was a decent back. Coutinho was the reason that we were able to get. Was he Van Dyke and Allison both came in off the money that we sold Coutinho for? Yes. yes. So that's that's a really that was a tough pill for Liverpool fans to swallow. Was losing Coutinho, 
losing But look Suarez. what Coutinho's done since. Mm. Uh, well, played for Aston Villa. Yeah. Not not a whole hell of a lot. I can't say. And look what Allison and Van Dyke um, have done since. So, exactly. Yeah. So, but that's exactly what I'm getting to is Klopp sees that. We've got this player. He wants to leave. However that worked out, I know it was kind of controversial. We're not going to get into that. But I can sell this player that this might cripple a forward line for another team. But I know that I can use that money to go get players. That's that why, again, I long-term. think the club is more transformational than, than Pep is. I agree. And I think he has to be more astute with his money management, too. He, he can't afford too many caters. And luckily, there haven't been too many caters. Agreed. Mm. Agreed. And then it was only a year later that we won the first Liverpool's first Premier League title. And then I just lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. sorry. Um, first Premier League title, the COVID season, but it was a dominant. We also won the Club World Cup that year yep. uh, with a lot of da- Bobby Dazzler, Bobby Firmino during that time. That was a huge year for him. Um, but that that Premier League title, unfortunately, it was the COVID season, but. If you go back and you look at how Liverpool were playing that year, I know a lot of people say, you know, oh, it was COVID, everything was messed up, Liverpool capitalized. If you look at how dominant Liverpool were before COVID and then continued even after well, the also, shutdown. I would argue that if it wasn't for COVID, we probably would have broken the post record, won earlier. Yeah. 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 They, they were just, they're, they're, no one was catching Liverpool that year. Yeah. 99 points and City had 81 points and then United were 66 points. We had 85 goals, 33 against. City had 102, 35 against. 32 wins out of 38, three losses, three draws. Uh, nine losses for City that year. I mean, just an unbelievable domination oh, yeah. of a title, title winning performance. Just fantastic. Um, but I would say it was 18, 19, 19, 20, 21, 22. We struggled, but that was the West Brom goal with Allison. But they've pretty much stayed in contention at the top of the table for most of, once Klopp got the team that he needed with, with one or two exceptions, they've been in contention at the top of the table ever since. Since the eighteen nineteen season, we were second, first, third, second. Last year, obviously, fifth and currently sitting in second. So it's been pretty pretty consistent so winning culture absolutely yeah but pep's been first in all but one of those seasons yeah all but one but he didn't have to rebuild a team no he did not why didn't he have to rebuild the team because he walked into who was before pep mancini mancini yeah. I don't know, re, no claude radiero did Man, was there a manager in between yeah. mancini and pep there's definitely a couple of managers between them. It matters not, but... Yeah. Either way, yeah. But he inherited decent squad and didn't have to build too much. Again, our point from earlier. <laughs> but this is kind of the, the larger point we're going to come to a close on, is that we've got two incredibly successful managers that both have found success in very different ways, playing two very different brands of football, very different club cultures. And yet, very different personalities. Very different personalities. Pep's a little silver-tongued and, and pointed, where Klopp is more the, passionate. Yeah, yeah. And, and Klopp will sit there with a big smile on his face and and take the piss, where Pep takes himself very seriously. And these comparisons, you see that it's twelve wins to ten wins with five draws against these two guys. So Klopp look, is one. So more. look, Thanksgiving's coming up, and Klopp is welcome at my table anytime. <laughs> he'd be a very interesting guy to have, and he'd get on with everybody. Nick, 
You'd have Pep at your Thanksgiving because you could sit and talk the (laughs) tactics to him forever. I think Klopp would have no problem having a conversation about tactics in between belly laughs and beer. He'd rather not. I don't know about that. Um, (laughs) How about a little assignment for Thursday's episode? Pick five players or managers of whatever era you want that you'd have at your Thanksgiving table. Oh, there's an interesting (laughs) one. It doesn't have to be Liverpool related either. So let's let's close this episode out with some thoughts on Klopp. Tom, go ahead. Give us what you think. Oh, wow. Um, haven't been a long life Liverpool fan watching the struggle. Life long, not a long life. You no, I, a long I want life a long yet. life. <laughs> it was my birthday. I feel an old. Leave, leave me alone. Um, I'm now middle-aged, apparently. I'd be dead if it was the medieval era. <laughs> um, having seen a lot of struggle in Liverpool... Then having a near miss with Rodgers, a near miss uh, in 2007 um, with, in the Torres era. There was a lot of high hopes for a lot of players that have come in, a lot of managers. Brendan Rodgers was kind of like, ooh, where did he come from? Out of Cardiff, nowhere, Swansea. But when Klopp came in, there was a more of a hype. There was more of a like, this guy is experienced, this guy is going to bring in different tactics. He got to a Champions League with nobodies in Dortmund. He got... Uh, Munich chasing their tails for two seasons. He's got something. Then he went dark after he left Dortmund and there was a whole speculation, will he, won't he? And I think that was the most fun. It was like, he's coming. He's definitely coming. And when he came, it was like one of the best days. I remember uh, my Facebook memories had it and I was just excited. Like I looked at that, what, a couple of weeks ago and it was like nothing I'd ever experienced as a Liverpool manager where I'm like, oh, we can actually potentially have something here. We've got FSG wanting to put money into the club. This is going to be an exciting time to be a fan. And then you looked at Manchester City and you're like, shit. <laughs> that was my only thing. Neil? Yeah. Well, I guess I'll say this. So, Jürgen said to me, you know, we'll win the <laughs> Premier League, you know. He said so. <laughs> and I'm in love with him and I feel fine. I like it. Uh, all I'm going to say is as much as I love Jurgen Klopp, these two guys have made the Premier League so exciting. Well, Tom and I. <laughs> oh, yeah. thanks, mate. Thanks. Thanks, thanks boys. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> Klopp and Pep as well. Uh, two incredibly exciting brands of football. The only time it's exciting to watch City for me is when they play Liverpool because it seems these two teams bring the best out of each other. And uh, this weekend, we get another heart attack game city versus liverpool they always are and uh i'm just looking forward to seeing what klopp's new look liverpool looks like against the uh manchester city we're uh we're so used to despising so on that note we're going to close the episode please check us out on facebook and on instagram at come on red men podcast and uh thanks for listening we'll chat to you soon